and be cursed. Iniquity shall abound. The love of many shall wax cold. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Matthew 24, you are reading verse 12 and then verse number 11. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax good. It should not, it should not surprise you that many believers are backsliding because this is foretold. You should not take this with any kind of surprise or levity. God's word says this is what is going to happen. And it is happening fast. In the last days, Second Peter 3 and verse 3, there shall come scoffers, despisers, mockers, walking after their own lusts. The last days, there shall come scoffers, the last days. Because iniquity shall abound. Matthew 24 and verse 12, the love of many shall wax cold. Second Peter 3 and verse 17, ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also be led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness lest you also being deceived or led away by the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness but it says but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and the Savior Jesus Christ. But grow in grace. Grow in grace. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2 and verse 2. That ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled. Neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. Let no man deceive you by any means. Oh foolish Galatians, Galatians 3 and verse 1, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was set forth, evidently crucified among you. There's a principle of the kingdom 
the principle of Christ's grace that you must not let anyone hoodwink you or deceive you from. Galatians 5 and verse 1 Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 13 Could ye like men be strong? Finally, my brethren, Ephesians 6 and verse 10, we're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Second Peter 3 and verse 18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let me take one or two questions today, if it's this possible or applicable. one or two questions I said if it's possible or applicable that is if it's um, going to be a blessing to you in any way I've been preaching at you what I have called blessed of God in a summary very funnily enough Apart from being a summary, I've also introduced some other things which possibly I never mentioned or I never emphasized while I preached the core content. If you have a question you can signify concerning what I've been preaching lately, There is nothing spiritually beneficial in a heavy rain or a shower. Showers of blessing. You know, when instead of a very sunny afternoon, Friday, earmarked for your pleasant, gorgeous, traditional wedding or engagement ceremony. The Lord gives some very light rain that cools the sunny atmosphere and then it's um, some bright sparkle and calm atmosphere. Then we say God has answered God has answered prayers. There's some religious confusion. As the rain cometh down from heaven to the earth and waters the earth. It's a natural principle. As long as heaven and earth remain it, the principle of dry and wet season, Genesis 8 and 22, will remain. Isaiah 55 and verse 10 as the rain cometh down from heaven and waters the earth, makes it to bore and fructify. I, the Lord, will give rain, he said at Isaiah 30 and verse 23. I just pure verses attributing nature to God. God is the maker of nature. He causes his rain upon the righteous and upon 
the unrighteous. Be ye therefore merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. Be ye therefore merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. Are you in church? It is simply superstitious, obnoxiously religious, powerless, and very frustrating to the cause of spiritual progress and divine understanding or spiritual understanding of progress in the wisdom of God Almighty through Christ Jesus our Lord when you think of all these physical natural things as the basis of God's blessedness this has caused ample confusion in the body of Christ so much confusion that sometimes you're not even sure whether what the pastor is preaching is scripture or tradition superstition some natural ideologies cultic phenomena or philosophies church has turned to something else completely different from what the apostles preached and taught and the fundamentals of the prophetic scriptures it is so bad that most times what we teach in church under the guise of preaching the gospel is so far from the gospel as the heavens are from the earth as from certainly from God and you are wondering exactly what is going on the Lord gave me a dream is a lie Dreams are biologically explicable. A dream cometh by a multitude of businesses. If God is going to give you a dream, it must be real. No fantasies, no confusion. It must not carry with it any element of iota of fear. It must be such that there is a message divinely routed to you though you are in dreamland or dreamland. May it not be a mix-up where you find a cat wearing a camel skin. Or you are hearing voices that look your mother-in-law's voice. Or your duty girlfriend's steps. And you are wondering why God is wicked to you. <laughs> if it's from God, let's call it a vision in the night. Please call it a vision in the night. That is, it's a real revelation by the Spirit of God. Only that it's coming in the night. And it's not supposed to be some makeup, some lies, some concocted meat legends, cock and bull stories 
to deceive the heart of the simple. Ecclesiastes chapter number 5 verse 3 verse 7. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business and a fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. Ecclesiastes chapter number 5 and verse 7. For in the multitude of dreams and many words there are also diverse vanities. But fear thou God. Vanities. Vain thinking. It's so funny the way we act to God. Physical things. Mysterious things. God is not mysterious. God is a spirit. Let's never define God under the grounds of mystery. A man can understand some enigma. Had to be understood that a man can understand. Let's understand that God is a spirit. His ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. As the heavens are far from the earth, so are his ways from our ways. And his thoughts from our thoughts. The core of all I've been saying is simple, my brother, my sister. To us who are saved, 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 and verse 4. He says, Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. Jesus Christ is the power of God. For in him I heed all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ is he the treasure and Jesus is the wisdom of God for who had known the mind of the Lord or who had been his counselor who had first given to God that he shall be recompensed unto him again Romans chapter let me read that 33 and 34 Jesus Christ is to us Colossians 1 1st Corinthians 1 and verse 30 made God's wisdom is the wisdom of God I am saying there is nothing and there is no relationship there is no link or contact with God outside the revelation of Christ the faculty remains perpetually and in an everlasting way in Christ you don't get it any other way outside the in Christ in Christ route the in Christ route this is very important this is the main theme is the main point by him all things consist by him all things all things hold together. All things have a bearing. So we should not be vain in our imaginations. We should not expect any other link outside Christ. There is nothing you have from God, you can get from God. You would ever get from God outside the in Christ faculty. Are not answered outside the in Christ faculty. And when I mean the in Christ faculty, I don't mean that you can come up with some baseless or scriptural prayer and say it's offered in Christ. No. 
I, I don't when I speak of the increase faculty, I don't mean you can take some concoctions or some native term and say I pray to walk in Jesus' name. It's it of place. You know, we do all sorts of religious and superstitious things and say in Jesus' name. We do things that are anti-Christ and we say in Jesus' name. And we feel that the in Christ faculty simply means wants to do all in Christ Jesus. What I mean by the in Christ faculty is that he must follow divine protocol orchestrated by Jesus himself through the Holy Spirit of God. Colossians 2 and verse 3. In whom Jesus being described here, I heed all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Beware, verse 8. Let any man spoil you. Don't let any man spoil you. Lest any man spoil you, deceive you. Make a shipwreck of your faith by some holy charm of philosophy, vain deceits, human ideologies and traditions. After the basic elements, after the elements of science, after the elements of history, according to human knowledge, after the artistry and the skills of this world, and not after Christ. This simply means that the ways of Christ are completely different from the ways of the world. You must understand this. I said the geo told everyone who was under the tent on a particular day, a very sunny day, December year 2000. Very sunny day, very, very sunny. And said it was a sun of deliverance. Every person under the tent stepped out of the sun. Sun of deliverance. The ideology of this hackoline, taskful, painful, stressful, odious, breathtaking, life-snuffing commitments to God. No gain without pain. Not in Christ Jesus. No blessedness without stress. Not in Christ Jesus. Jesus makes it tough and very tough and very tough so I can know it's Christ who gave me to lie from the pit of hell. Charge them that are rich in this life that they be not high-minded not trust in uncertain riches what some modern version will call the uncertainty of riches but in the living God who giveth us all things richly? Rich, richly. Now we have received First Corinthians two and verse twelve. I had just quoted First Timothy six seventeen. First Corinthians two and verse twelve. Now we have received the Spirit. That is not of the world, but that which is of God that we might not the seed. That's the word in the Greek that has been freely, freely, <laughs> free. Imagine what Jesus said at Matthew's Gospel, chapter number ten, from verse six to eight. Matthew's Gospel, chapter ten. Verse 6 to 8. 
He said, but rather go rather to the lordship of the house of Israel and as he go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand Matthew 10 from verse 8 the mentality that God gives after he has stressed you punished you and you must hear the law of Satan. He tells us that the reason God will stress you and punish you is so that he can train you to use his gift well. Love the devil. See, the devil is a liar. The devil takes pleasure and glory in misrepresenting God Almighty. Misrepresenting God Almighty. Oh no, Pastor. You see, a man who is blessed of God, he must be a man who has been fasting. He looks unkempt, his beard is weird, they are whisker like, like some hungry lion. Exactly what I preached at you on Sunday the ideology that prophets must look weird and dirty very unsociable despicable and rough some little kid from nowhere at a white garment church has dreadlocks very dirty locks very unkempt hair style and we say he's a prophet he's not taught he's not learned he's not even born again he has not even gone through the elementary study of bible and yet he's a prophet we acknowledge weird things are not necessarily spiritual things spectacular things are not necessarily spiritual things the ideology that god god must pummel and punish god must prune to bless you or to give a gift is a lie of the devil There is nothing God gives you because you have gone through a sacrifice or a labor. All you have, you have in Christ freely. You know, we said somebody just Pastor Delight asked a question concerning labors, commitment to God, Father, and we said it's 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 key. Progress begets progress. Give thyself wholly unto them that your advancement may become apparent to all. That's the word profiting. At first Timothy 4 and verse 15. Profiting is advancement. There's no way you will not advance when you labor hard in reading and prayers, reading your Bible and praying. But to say the reason God has given me a particular spiritual gift or the reason why I'm even graced in the first place to partake of the Holy Spirit is because of what prayer and fasting is the lie of an ingrate. Performance-based ingrate. Matthew 10 and verse 6 But go rather to the Lordship of the house of Israel and as he go, preach, say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Look 
at what he says. Imagine. See how we treat these things these days. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. Freely you have received. Freely give. The things of God are not with charge. from our perception today the moment you are able to by the spirit of God or some evil spirit of divination says something about people they don't know you become a rich man because most pastors take advantage of people's naivety and spiritual ignorance to extort and exploit them extort from them and exploit their heart and resources and the people love to have it so the prophets have prophesied falsely their own means. Jeremiah 5, you begin to read from verse 29 of 31. And my people love to have it so. We are the ones that bankroll them. We are the ones that, ah, ah, he's a man of God. He's a prophet of God. Professor to my life. Say something about me. Please, please, we give him all. Sometimes we even give him our bodies. We submit our dignity and integrity to him as a man or a woman. He does whatever thing he wants to do with our bodies and dumps like a, like a useless rag and yet we say it's God. Imagine what is going on in our lives. Freely you have received. There was a man in the Bible that had this ideology of cash for the gift of God. Paying for gain. Let me give you something. You need to hear the way Paul sorry Peter and his companions addressed him with Peter leading the, the, the company. Acts 8, verse 17. They laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. People may speak with tongues without hands being laid upon them. Happened in Acts 10. People may speak with tongues with hands laid upon them. It happened in Acts 8. Be sure they are born again. Be sure you have preached at them the gospel. Be sure it's the gospel of Christ's death and resurrection. And when they are filled with the spirit, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, let's teach them the word and how to make progress in God and how to understand exactly the meaning of being filled with the spirit, being under the influence of the spirit and speaking with other tongues and the major advantages of speaking with tongues. And Acts 8, 18, and when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. The mentality of bribery, perjury, gratification is so much in our culture and our society. The idea of giving to take, taking to give, Rub my back and rub yours. Gratification. Giving back in cash and kind is so part of our political, societal ideology that we can't, we can't just but offer something to God. The reason people give tithes and offerings is 
so that God will help them rebuke the devourer. This is the reason why in a church like Mercy Assembly, once they are taught they don't need to give for God to rebuke any devourer, they don't give at all. Once you teach them they don't need to give anything to God to be blessed in Christ, they become extremely stingy. Because human beings generally are very, very stingy. It's a culture of the cells. The nerve endings are stingy. The nerve endings are not free. The nerve endings of the human body are closed up and self-centered and self-arrogating and self-attributed after all. The human nerve endings know nothing but its own. Everything about it, it, I, me, my, and myself is all the culture and the conversational violin of the human sense. It's just natural to be very, very selfish. To extort and exploit and refuse to give back. To withhold on dealing more than is due is just normal with human beings. So, once you tell them the truth of the word, they become stingy. They will tell you that can God give anything free? Who does this anyway? Who does this anyway? Who, who gives freely anyway? But, but God is not a man. God is not a man. So the man said, as usual, let me take this little money. Just like you say, you know, you know, I fast every day. I gave you this story and sometimes some of these stories inform me a lot about people's persuasion. The Jew is preaching and the Jew said like he will always say, he said, you shall be greater than me. Somebody shout out. And they all screamed, Amen. Then he said, one of his henchmen, his disciples said to him, Daddy, please don't pray this type of prayer for us. Because you are actually asking us to die. Because we know that the number of days you don't fast in a year are countable. Four, five, six, seven days of 366 days. The man is eating, all other days is fasting. So he said, What are praying that God will make you greater than you? You are asking God to kill us because it simply means we will never have to eat any day of the year. And when he's talking about fasting, I think he's strictly talking about fasting all day and breaking at night. I don't think he's talking about not eating at all or taking water. I think he's talking about fasting through 6, 7 p.m. and then having some dinner fast the next day. But then he himself said, <laughs> and he laughed, <laughs> as though he had only been using that prayer to deceive or slight them. From this I infer that the Jews' idea of greatness is humanly cultured based on performance. And most of us have the idea. We have the idea that God can only bless me as far as I'm committed. This is a lie. God would heal me as far as I can give. It's another lie. God will go as deep with me as deep as I want to go with him. It's another lie. Draw nigh unto God. He shall draw nigh unto you. Is what you have done exactly in Christ Jesus. The whole essence is this. In Christ, you got the ultimate of God and nothing else shall be given unto you. 
so when we are talking about commitment or pharmacy or giving money we're only wasting our time you could not have been able to get any of this by the works of the flesh for by the works of the law for by the deeds and the ideologies and the commitment of performance of the flesh shall no man be justified in the sight of god it is evident the justified man shall be justified because he has faith in god romans 3 verse 20 to 24 we are justified freely oh justified freely romans chapter number 3 and verse 24 we are justified freely by the grace of god that is in christ jesus so at acts 8 simon saw that through laying on of the apostles hands the holy ghost was given he offered them money and it's, it's just a good logic but it's human saying give me also this power that on whomsoever i lay hands he may receive the holy ghost what would a nigerian pastor do in this circumstance i think it depends on the amount I think it depends on the amount. What, what do you think? If a man comes and says, take this money and give me power such that anybody I lay hands upon will also receive the Holy Ghost as, as I've seen you do. What, what would you do? You say, ah, open the envelope. What, how much is the check? Imagine if the guy bought in a check of 1,000 Naira. Then I want you to say, I say, I say you are a fool. Do you think, do, do, do you think one thousand can buy the gift of God? <laughs> because I want you, I, I be like, you, you must be a fool. Okay, what if the guy was giving me a thousand dollars, which is like four seventy thousand naira now? I'm, I'm not sure I can hush him and spit insults upon his head. I probably will say, um, bring that money first. Actually, you don't. I think you have to understand grace from the level of grace. Oh, what if the guy was giving me ten thousand dollars, four point seven million? Maybe it would depend basically on the amount the guy is giving. Before I can say, your, your money. What if the guy was giving me forty million? Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, if this guy give a Nigerian preacher, most times the guy would just say, "All right, bring the money." He will leave the money up to the sky in a deceit purely deceitful and say heavenly father see the money now lord bless him <laughs> it's all lies it's all lies you are cajoling god to do what his word has not said it's so much deceit in the body of christ i see when instead of simply teaching people what the word says we claim to be the conveyor of god's blessing dependent on people's commitment or gifts after the Bible says the bribe or the gift of a man will make room before him and set him before kings many of us have that mentality that God takes bribe 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 so you can buy bribe God with fasting you can bribe God with condemnation and abnegation and self-punishment you can bribe God with tears you can bribe God with several self-inflicted sorrows you can bribe God with gifts you can bribe God with service in church you can bribe God with sweeping church you can just bribe God with doing something 
You can bribe God with being gentle. You can bribe God with being quiet. Instead of answering the person and insulting him, you bribe God. You say, God, after all, they insult me so much in this church, but I have not said a word to anybody. You bribe God with emotions. You use your emotions to call the favor from God. You are lying. You are confused. You are, you are walking in deceit and manipulation of Satan and religion. What did Peter say? Acts 19. Say, give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, thy money perish with thee. It is not about money at all. Check on Kings 5.16. Is it the time to receive money? Your money perish with thee. The gift of God, Acts 2 and verse 38, is to you and your children and to as many as the Lord God our, our God will call. Freely! Matthew 10 and verse 8. You have received. Freely give. So once it's not the in Christ thing, God is punishing. God is, God is, God is punishing. God is, God is trying to toughen me. God has not given me a child yet. Because God wants to prepare my womb for a great child. is a lie. It's a self-delusion. It's a parole of consolation that is anti-Christ. There's no such thing as God preparing your womb for a great child. You are not having a child yet. Something is wrong with your womb. What you need is recreative, restorative, miraculous power by the Holy Spirit to make that child be able to conceive a seed. And it could happen even here right now. It's not about God is. So we call them waiting mothers. Mothers whose wombs God is preparing to wait. There are people who suffer untold hardships. Then they will tell you, I've been suffering because God is preparing me for a great job in future. You may die, Papa, if you don't wake to responsibility. You have a question? Yeah. Who else has a question? Okay, we have two questions. Okay, so, um, just step forward, step forward, so I don't have to step to your side. And then you join him very soon. Praise God. Okay, hallelujah. Um, I will also read from John 19. John 19 from verse um, 11. It's a portion I've been, I've been teaching on during our meetings. Is it a question? It's a question. Okay. Yes. Uh, John 19 from verse 11. This was uh, Jesus' reply to Pilate while he was being tried. I read. Jesus answered, Hallelujah. Thou couldest have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Now, so would we be safe to, to tread the, the path of while God is not behind this phase we are going through, God is fully aware of it. And um, if... Okay, I almost said if we are committed to it... <laughs> If we are committed to him, now works. I almost imputed works to it. Okay. Um, while we, we, we will be safe to say God is not the instigator of this phase we are going through, 
we all know that um, in life we go through phases, we go through um, good times, we go through bad times. For instance, you're going through a bad time, and um, knowing from the word, you know God tempts no man with evil. You know God is not the one doing this to you. But from Jesus' statement that you would have no power over me except it were given to you. So would we be safe to say that we're going through this phase, God is fully aware of it, and he permitted it. He allowed it. Um, I'm looking at James also. The man James, in James 1, says, Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, into manifold temptation. For in this phase, you will learn something, or something will be built up in you, patience. So, um, could we be safe to say, we're going through this phase, we're not saying God is the one behind it, but God has permitted it. So instead of asking God, God, why? We're asking God, God, what would you have me learn from this phase? Would we be safe to say such? Do you understand? Amen. I hope you all understand this question. Brother Shui is asking question next, but let me address this quickly. Uh, maybe you shouldn't have used this part of the Bible. Maybe you should have looked for some other scriptures to support your claims. Now, the claim that God is tempting me, God is allowing me going through this stress, God is trying me, is very common. And what we only do, we don't really find it in Bible very basically. All we do is, we believe it as a stronghold of religious submission and will not look for scriptures to support it but it's purely against the word so let's take it from um, John chapter 19 at verse number it could be anywhere but let's start from 10 then Pilate said unto him speaketh thou not unto me knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee Jesus answered thou coolness have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above what is the meaning of this does this mean that God permitted Christ to go through crisis basically because this was his destiny Jesus was born into the world to suffer the just for the unjust God sent him into the world to die this was the reason why he came Jesus came into this world to die the sufferings he went through were physical but there was a spiritual undertone Can I say this again that Jesus went through physical sufferings but there was a spiritual design to it because it was God's will that he died him Acts 2 23 him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain they took him but it was by God's counsel that is God's will was involved God wanted it to be so he was meant to suffer the just for the unjust just at Acts 4 and verse 28 he says 
for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done verse 27 for the truth against thy holy child Jesus whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done Jesus sufferings had a divine counsel to it he was born to suffer and to die he was born to suffer and to die he was born to suffer once for sins first peter 3 and verse 18 the just for the unjust that he might bring us to god being put to death in flesh but quickened by the spirit to now look at this verse and to claim that god is responsible for all my sufferings as a believer will be very wrong Um, I'm a Christian and I'm going through this phase. God is fully aware I'm going through this phase. I'm not saying he's the one that is behind it. I'll, I'll, I'll be a liar to say that God is behind it because the scripture tells us God is not behind it. God tempts no man with evil. I'm just saying I'm going through this phase and it's tough for me. It's crushing. I'm trusting God to come through but I know that God is fully aware and um, I'm saying I'm going through this and because God is aware there is this consolation that I, I have. I'm not, I'm not running helter skelter to, to, to follow or to escape. I'm going through this state patiently trusting God to come through. I'm, 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 I'm not necessarily saying God is behind or God is responsible. I'm saying since God is fully aware, I will gladly walk through this phase of my life. I'm not asking. God, why are you doing this to me? I'm rather saying, God, what would you have me learn in this phase? I'm not saying something similar to um, Jesus' faith or predestined um, um, calling to, to suffer. Jesus never offered us or promised us a smooth sail. Uh, John 16.3 says, This thing have I spoken unto you, that in me you will have peace. In this world you have many tribulations. He assured us that we will have many tribulations. Scripture tells us that many are the afflictions of the righteous. We have... Um, Another place in scripture tells us it has been given unto us not just to believe unto his name but also to suffer. So we are saying these things will happen. We'll go through faces that in quotes almost crush us or are crushing times. But we are saying we are going to we'll gladly go through this phase trusting that God is knowing fully well that God knows it. And we are not, it's different it's a different case where So the question is, from what you are saying is, um, you are going through this phase, you should make up your mind to come out of it. I'm not even saying that. I'm saying that using Christ's example is not a different. Christ was going to suffer. No, prior to my question, you were saying something along the lines of, um, probably, um, I've not had a child yet. And you are saying, um, yeah, don't quickly attribute it to God. 
God. Don't say, God is preparing my own prevention. Okay. 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 It's possible what is just a miracle that is should believe God for. Okay. And quickly console yourself with disease. God is keeping me waiting. God wants to toughen me. Because the impression I okay. Because the impression I go was um, don't don't settle for any phase. It just has to be good. If it's not working out, you have to make it work. That was the impression I got. That was why I was ask, asking the question. Um, I'm used to people saying that um, I'm just talking in line with what he said now. That because I'm going through this and God knows it, I guess the first question is does that mean God permitted it? That was the first thing he asked. That because I'm going, I'm going through this, God knows it. Does that mean because I'm not yet out of it, God permitted it? That was what the question I had. Is that it? That was the question. Yeah, that was the first question. Yeah, that was the first question. That If I'm passing through these problems, and from scriptures, I know that God is in the picture, and he knows, and nothing is done yet, does that mean, it, can we say God permitted it? And he now used um, John, the, the, the example of Jesus passing through persecution, and that he said, um, yeah, this would have happened if God has not given it unto you, or something like that. But what I want to say here now is that, like the pastor actually rightly said, you can, it's not the same scenario. It is not. That God for new doesn't mean he permitted. There are two different things. That he for new doesn't mean he permitted it. Because God, in, uh, the attribute of God is that he knows all things. And because he knows all things, that doesn't mean he permitted those occurrences. So there are two different ballgames altogether. And that's um, the, the life of God as uh, Christ has been designed to grow through those things. So his own, I don't think we can compare it with somebody suffering on heart and feeling that God want me to go through this um, like um, a thief came to my house and made away with all my things. I lost my job. I lost my child. And that this is the design of God. He permitted it. I Am, am I talking like what you're saying? Am I in? So I just want the, the pastor to understand what he's saying. That is it that because God knows it, He permitted it? Um, he also quoted the scripture. This was why I said, "What's your question?" Because you're already convincing us what the Bible teaches. Of what the Bible teaches. Unto us it is given on the behalf of Christ. Philippians 1 and verse 29. Not only to believe on his name, but to suffer for his sake. Scripture. John 16 and verse 33. This is have I spoken unto you. He had been present with you. That in me he might have peace. In the world he shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The whole essence of the picture is not God is making me go through it, which he also 
quoted at us today <clears throat> let no man say when he's tempted he's tempted of God however first Peter teaches us exactly how to manage crisis and it's all over scriptures first Peter 4 12 beloved thinking not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you if you are suffering crises or problems it's not strange it should not be strange to you we have been persecuted strictly persecution for the sake of christ this is i, I think we should understand the very thing that god's word describes as sufferings or persecutions or afflictions especially with the context of the apostles it's strictly for the sake of christ I don't think my womb is not fertile for Christ's sake. No. I don't think I don't have a job for Christ's sake. It's strictly for the sake of Christ. When we talk about suffering for Jesus or being persecuted, it's strictly, and each time you sit in the Bible, it talks about this. Okay, let's, let's quickly um, see. But 1 Peter 3. First Peter 3 and verse 14. But and if he suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their peril, neither be troubled. For righteousness' sake. First Peter 1 and verse 6, wherein he greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be. This is not supposed to be a self-inflicted problem or some trauma you are going through because of you. You are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Look at it. And it speaks about the faith. That the trial of your faith. The trial of your faith here is not by the temptations. But after the season of temptations, in your faith, which is more precious than gold be tried it should be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of christ that by the time christ appears your sufferings for him will have made your faith intact and it says about the same christ of whom have you not seen ye love so it's strictly about suffering for christ at first peter 4 and verse 12 beloved Think it not straight concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strength happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ persecutions and afflictions strictly for Christ's sake. Don't say you are sick. And because you have malaria, you are suffering for Christ. Verse, verse 15. But not, sorry, 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. 
yet if any man suffer as a christian let him not be ashamed but rather let him glorify god on his behalf at acts 5 and verse 41 they were beaten and commanded not to preach the name of jesus acts 5 41 they left the presence of the council and they rejoiced that they were accounted worthy to suffer shame for his name so basically let's let's differentiate between what i'm going through for being in this world what i'm going through as a payback for my own mistakes or evil doing and what i'm going through because of christ because of christ maybe that will help us a great deal because of my jesus stance because i'm preaching the gospel because i'm a believer because i claim christ is why i'm going through this rejoice and be glad if i'm going through this because i'm suffering my own mistakes wrongdoings my errors suffering for my own mistakes wrongdoing and wrong errors i must repent and get out of it and there are people who are going through such they are having what they are having because of laziness lack of circumspect understanding of the times they are not qualified somebody who is sacked sacked at war for laziness for truancy for slothfulness of being a sluggard cannot claim to be suffering for christ somebody who needs to work harder the bible says there is much food the poor but there is he that is issued for lack of understanding who should work harder and remains disloyal to work and suffers poverty cannot say suffering for christ let's distinguish so i love to do this i love to say is this problem self-inflicted self-inflicted it is happening for righteousness sake i'm in the world because i'm in the world it is happening because i have faith in christ jesus when i'm able to understand what i'm going through what i'm going through maybe i know how to handle crisis sometimes what you need to do is not to pray what you need to do is to get out of where you are <laughs> what you need to do is not to pray what you need to do is to get out of where you are you are in the wrong position you are in the wrong place you are doing the wrong thing you need to get out of where you are and that will help you out of the problem and it's not just a suffering for christ sometimes your attitudes are bad you are suffering what you are suffering because of bad attitudes unto us it is given the behalf of christ not only to believe on his name but to suffer for his sake second timothy 3 and verse 12 ye and all that will live godly in christ jesus shall suffer persecution what is the place of prayer in persecution what is the place of prayer in persecution faith what is the place of prayer in persecution faith what do i mean by faith I mean that i'm going through suffering and persecution i'm not blaming god i'm not blaming god i 
I'm trying to understand why it is so. When I've understood why it is so, I know what to do. It happened to Paul at Acts 27. He said, Sirs, be of good cheer. There shall not hurt come to your lives, 276 souls, but there will be hurt to this sheep and our goods. There's truth by me this night, the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Paul sought the Lord. Two weeks they were all fasting. Two weeks. You could not eat because there was no light anywhere. It was all darkness. On the high seas. All hope to be saved. Acts 27 and verse 20 was gone. 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 6. 2 Thessalonians 1 6. Seeing. Alright, 2 Thessalonians 1 3. Context. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is made because that your faith grows exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all towards each other abundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecution and tribulations that ye endure. Which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom for which ye also suffer. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled rests with us. Faith and confidence. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven it is it is Is it okay for now? Alright, let's take a brush quickly. Quickly so we can close. If you still have any other questions, Friday. Let's just take one more question and close. Hallelujah. So, my question is, um, so, uh, you said, I don't know if I'm correct, but from what I gleaned from your, from teaching, I, I suppose that you said, um, service to God, is that, are you saying service to God is doesn't count? Uh, thank you very much. Um, uh, I think we should be careful how we respond to things preached. What will help you a great deal is things that have been preached before, things we have preached, things we are still going to preach, and the context of preaching. Now, I possibly could not have been saying service to God doesn't count. Just like when I preached on the fact that parental blessings are mere wishes. I did not say, therefore, rise and go and beat your mother up. And that your mother's causes amount to nothing. Go and slap her and test and say, curse me and see. Now, I preach service to God. I preach commitment. As he said it on Sunday. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of the Lord, servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Ephesians 6.6. 6. What I'm saying, however, is this. You cannot, with service to God, buy divine benefit. And that divine benefit came fully and totally before you could serve God. Is that very simple? 
that you are sweeping church is not a blessing but it's a good thing and it's a commandment but don't think because you are sweeping God then God will answer your prayers the greatest advantage you have is Christ's love the greatest advantage you have is not what you can give or what you can do the greatest advantage is Christ's love he has loved you so much even before you could love him he has lavished his love upon you before you could love him you know we talk about people responding to our kind gestures we talk about people being devoted and loyal because we love them but most times we always think that we have to be devoted before God loves us it's not so God's love comprehensively was lavished upon you before you could love he first John 4 and verse 17 first John 3 and verse 1 the last verse God loved us before we loved him so service to God should be seen second to God's love so the man said your money perish with you for, for you to think you can buy what God freely gave it's, it's irresponsibility it's pride to think that because I've swept the floor God will buy me a car or will give me a child or will give me the gift of interpretation of tongues or something behold what manner of love the father has lavished upon he has lavished upon us before we could love him service to God is commandment is mandatory is compulsory is, good, is rewarding it is rewarding but please separate it from God's love that saved you and you see in, in marriage in normal relationships even in church like this in interactions between church members and pastor church relationship we should get that concept that is not based on give and take we must understand love one for another not thinking of reciprocity God's love is not based on reciprocity human love is based on reciprocity you love more when you are loved affection and kindness and human love even maternal or parental love is based on reciprocity you will love your mother or your father more when you are getting something from them parents will love their kids more when they are getting something from them but Christ's love is based on God in which you are willing to sacrifice your life without thinking of getting anything back when Jesus died there was no hope of getting anything I've heard people say he died to make us sons and make us worship him who are we to worship him please how well have you worshipped God today how well and where have you been they are saints of God reserved for the next day Christ comes they've been reserved they are not doing anything in heaven angels have no job than to worship him so the thing that God saved us so we can worship him is out of out of way there is nothing God needed us for there is nothing God will ever need us for think about it he doesn't spend money he does not eat food imagine if you're on this earth you don't spend money you don't wear clothing you don't eat food you don't travel abroad you don't need a car you don't need a phone you will be so free from anyone and yet you can love them with your whole self God's love is so strong it comes ahead of gifts and commitments we can give to him amen okay 
can we just say that um, service to God is a response to the kindness of God towards us? Service to God is commitment. If we say service to God is, is based on his kindness, right. That is, we are getting committed because God has loved us. Now, this is the way it ought to be. Service to God should be prompted by God's love for us. Accurate. Exactly. But many of us do service to God so that God can bless us. It's a wrong one. She said, y'all, service to God should be prompted out of God's love. It's, it's the love of the Father. She has to prompt you to serve him. It's not the other way. It's not that you serve him so he can love you. He already has loved you. And this is why in the world circles, the moment we have the emphasis of God's love, they, are doing not, they don't do service to God. And it's very wrong. Because God's love is meant to prompt you to serve him and to love him more. Because the love is magnanimous. But many of us don't have that orientation. The moment it is free, it means cheap. It means useless. It means I can do without it. The moment it is difficult to get, it means good. And it's always so. Service to God should be prompted by his love. But it's funny. Many of us who should do this, don't even do service to God. For example, we say, singing to God is not going to get him to bless you. It's because you are saved, you can sing, you can serve. And people are not singing it. Doesn't, but it's wrong. So, service to God is prompted on God's love. It does not make him love you less or more. Because whether you serve him or not, he has already loved you most. God can do more than he has done. You didn't warrant it. You didn't ask for it. It was while we are yet sinners that Christ died for us. Oh, I will have exposed Romans 5 from verse 7. It's so, it's so beautiful. So beautiful. Brother, play the keyboard. Let's close. Romans 5, 7. We're closing five minutes. Romans 5, 7. Are you in church? I don't want us to be as late as we were last Sunday. Last um, Friday. Romans 5, 7. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet for adventure for a good man somebody will dare to die. Then something, they say, there's a verse missing here. You see who told me the verse is missing? I just inferred this. It may be very wrong. I want to add the verse to it. And I'll tell you why. Look at it. It says, can you die for a righteous man? Somebody who is honest. If you are called to come and die for a honest man now, that is, a honest man has been implicated. Come and die for him. You say, how am I sure he's honest? Ah. And if a honest man has been implicated, then let him die for him. Say, why, why must I who did not no 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 it's let him die for him I love I've shared this in this church can you die for your wife at gunpoint can you die for your husband at gunpoint I've said it one life jacket just one life jacket on a sinking boat one life jacket like the Titanic can you offer the life jacket to your wife or your mother or your child? One life jacket. 
you and your wife or you and your mother or you and your son or you and your friend or you and the pastor or the pastor and the church member or you and a church member or you and some can you give your life jacket to a man and you say okay take the life jacket swim out i will sink and die because you are righteous he says it's difficult look at this one he says a good man who is a good man a philanthropist some thugs some thugs sometimes for adventure you see some thugs they say kill me kill me they'll be the bodyguard they will shield the rich man yet some thugs run away nature without even thinking of your wife or your husband or your mother you just take the life jacket and swim and say ah wait wait mommy let me go across the ocean and come back to save you you swim and flee for cover naturally it happens like that so you can't die for a honest man a good man look at the last thing i'm, I'm thinking the bible is, is meant to say here it is impossible to find somebody to die for an evil man an evil man a hater of god loveless unlovable unwilling to be loved but when god saw genesis 6 and verse 5 that the imaginations of the heart of men were evil continually and that their deeds were evil if he repented god he had made man all have sinned yet it was why we are seen as christ that force so if god had died the prompter for service should be the bonnet of his love and know that when we serve him we are looking out for something cheap he should quickly bring even when we give we should not give so he can give but we should give because we love him stand up we'll continue next week i mean next friday thank you jesus lift your hands and thank him worship him bless him honor him glorify him he's worthy of praise he's the lord he's glorious he saves he redeems he's loving his path blessed be the name of the lord thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus